Hey Calvary, I'm Jordan and I'm the children's pastor. My name's Cy and I'm the student pastor. And we're here to give you a quick look at what's going on at Calvary. So today we're starting a new sermon series and it's called Grace and Truth. And we're gonna be tackling some difficult issues we face in our culture. And as a part of that series, we're going to have extra cards on the info hub with some resources about each topic. So after you hear each sermon, be sure to go to the info hub to check out those resources. Yeah, there's great resources, parents, students, and kids, it's all there. Yep. Now Jordan, I got a question for you. Yes. Have you recently updated your information on Planning Center? I think so. I'll take that as a no. And if you haven't <laughs> updated your information recently on Planning Center, uh, if you've got a new email or phone number, we would love uh, for you to update that so we can send you proper communications to the best of our ability and you know what events are going on here. So you can find out how to do that on the Info Hub. If you'd like to know more about baptism, what it takes to follow Jesus, or if it's your first time here this morning, be sure to stop at the Next Step space, or if you're watching from home, fill out the connection card at yourcalvary.info slash connect card. All right, so we've got a lot of events going on right now, and um, if you have heard recently, we've got the Church Center app going, which is where you can register for all events, all things Calvary. So, uh, for example, uh, kids, you need to register for service by Wednesday, is that right? Yep, Wednesday please. before classes close. And then you've also got Discovering Calvary tonight. You can register for that. We've got women's study groups starting February 3rd. Um, students, we've got our movie coming up this Friday. So be sure to register for All Things Calvary, any event we've got going on on the Church Center app. Follow us throughout the week on social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also keep up with us on the info hub at yourcalvary.info. And we also have weekly emails, so if you haven't subscribed to those, be sure to do so. Let's get ready to worship.
sing to him. Let's sing it. Nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. to church. Welcome to Calvary. We're so glad. If you're joining us online, thank you for being here this morning, for opening your home to worship together there. And if you're here in person, thank you so much for being here. We'd love to worship together in both ways. And so we're glad you're here. Uh, it's a bit of housekeeping. If there are a couple of seats in between you, if you wouldn't mind scooting over, that will help others as they come in uh, and make room uh, to, to come in and worship with us as they come in later time here. So two seats in between, everyone, is kind of what we've been saying, uh, if you could do that for us in between your families. So again, thank you for being here. We always want to make room uh, for the Lord to move in a mighty way. So let's open up our hearts now, our minds, to just hear from Him, to break down anything that we may be holding back in this time. Let's worship.
anything in us. God, help us to move in your community. See truth for who you are. Love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a seat. Amen. Amen. Hello, Calvary. How are you? A couple real quick housekeeping bits of information. First of all, um, I know that some people are still are in the process of starting to get vaccines, do us a favor and still wear your mask for a couple more months at least, and we'll let you know as we begin to transition around that. Second thing, as you can tell, the room is getting more and more crowded, which we're so thankful for. We need you to register early so we know how many people can can come. So if you can go to Planning Center or yourcalvary.info or stop by the information desk afterwards, and that way we know who's coming so that we can be ready for that. We're starting a brand new series today called Grace and Truth. 
And the idea of grace and truth is trying to find the balance of difficult topics, either avoiding being one side or the other. So if you're a church that is too carried away with truth, it creates legalism. And if you're a church that leans too far into grace, then you lack the ability to have uh, something to stand on and, and true theology and doctrine. And, and you've got to find the balance of those. So the next few weeks, we're going to discuss what those look like. A little spoiler, on February 14th, it's Valentine's Day, we're going to cover a uh, topic that you are, it's kind of PG-13, for those of you who know. So some people, if you sit there and you go, if we had a certain talk, then they're fine. If they haven't, you probably want to utilize our kids' ministry. Okay, so that's what I'm just letting you know. Have fun with that. Okay, as we go forward from here, we're talking about this idea of what it looks like to balance, like I said, the grace and truth. The reason that's important is because it's important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. Do you realize that what you believe is shaped by many different things? Can we acknowledge that today? Gabe Lyons says there are seven main influencers of our culture. Seven main things, channels is what he calls them, that shapes the way that we think and operate in our world today. Here's what those seven channels are. The first one is business, media, that includes news, arts, and entertainment. We go on to see social sector, government, education, and church. And the way that works is you learn something in school, and it affects the way that you view church. Then it affects the way that you go to a business, and the business says you need to prioritize this. And so you are shaping and changing the way that you think based on those seven channels, all speaking into your life, trying to tell you how to live. Okay? Now, of those seven channels that shape the way you live, Gabe Lyons goes on to say six of those channels are proactive, in other words, intentionally directive towards the future, and one is traditionally been reactive. Anyone to guess which one has traditionally been reactive? It begins with ch, ends with urch. The church is traditionally reactive. We're not so forward-thinking, and, and that's a tragedy. Because the church should embrace its place as being a change agent to the culture of the world, but it should do so in grace and truth. So, as we're sitting there going, okay, how do we influence the world? Well, it first begins by saying, how are we going to determine what to believe? And so, the question remains, what is shaping the church's culture? Here's four ways that the culture is shaped. And I'm going to actually start with the third one, which is the idea of culture is actually shaping the church culture. And that goes back to the seven channels. And in that mindset, I want you to understand that there is this view that the church should be either against culture, right? If the culture says right, we're going left. If the culture says left, we're going right. There's the people who are then shaped by whatever the culture says we're going to blend into that model. And so right from the beginning, you can see the church that says we're going to stand up. That's the, the kind of the, the truth people and the church that just blend into culture. That's the grace. And we believe that it should be in the middle that says the church should be in and for culture while standing for God. So how do we do that? What else helps shape our culture? Tradition. Hear me, I'm a tradition guy. I love Christmas Eve 
standing up with a candlelight. Apparently, a lot of you do too, because you're willing to go out there when it's 10 degrees and stand out in front of the church and light a candle that keeps getting blown out because it's Christmas Eve. We light a candle and we sing Silent Night. Right? And some of you are not as into much tradition because you didn't show up. And you're like, have fun with that. It's cold. And traditions in and of themselves aren't bad if we remember why they're there, but traditions shouldn't determine where we're going. The second one, um, another one that we talk about here, is this idea of uh, prophetic voices. Do you realize prophetic voices could be real or fake? Prophetic voices are the people who claim to be sharing what God says. The tried and true illustration I always give here is the story of the guy who broke up with the girl saying, I feel like God told me to break up with you. And she replied, God did not tell me the same, so we're going to keep dating. And the reality is there are people, and this should scare us just a bit, I could be standing up here saying I'm representing the voice of God and totally be doing it on my own. In fact, that happens far too often, and that should scare us. So how do we know what we should believe if it shouldn't be solely based on what the preacher tells us? And to round that out, really we should be shaped by Scripture. The Bible is to be our main source of truth. The Bible is to be our main source of truth. And this is a very important thing to understand. Why should the Bible be our main source of truth? Because it is God's words. It is how God reveals himself to us. It is what God uses to speak truth into our life. Now, sometimes there's a lot of different things that people say about this understanding of what it looks like. How do we know that God's word is true? How do we know that God's word is reliable? Any Marvel fans in the house? Some of you may not know, Marvel is a comic book that has become a bunch of movies. And I was discussing with my sons this last week about the Marvel series, and they are like, what I love about the Marvel series is how it weaves the storyline into all the stories. And so you could have watched a movie from 10 years ago, and then they, they suddenly create something new, and it looks back, and it assumes you watched that movie 10 years ago. And you can watch this movie independently, but yet it somehow brings out that story even more. This is pretty fascinating stuff, right? The Marvel story does not hold a candle to how the Bible integrates the story and interweaves its story both through now and into the future. Let me show you a graphic. This graphic represents cross-references throughout the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament. And every one of those lines represents either a foreshadowing or a looking back and a cross-reference across the, the scope of the way the story of the Bible unfolds in our lives. Now, as you look at this, you can see the mathematical improbability that this is being able to be written by one person. And when you understand that the Bible was written by many, many, many people, you can see how God had to orchestrate that in order for this to come to fruition. The Marvel series doesn't hold a candle to that. There's a lot of other explanations I can give you why we trust God's word, but 
that is one example. And the other example I would tell you is God's word is still true today and still is active and alive and changes lives. So we lean into God's word, even though humans can interpret it wrongly, God's word is true. And so where we are most effective is when I come together and you come together and we grab different cultures and we come together and we read God's word and we ask for God to tell us what this means. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he begins to tell the ladies and the men in this room and the ladies and the women all over this planet. And we come together and we say, this is what God is trying to say. And we walk in that truth. So, today's topic, for those of you who want to know where I'm going, I just covered the background, I'm going into today's topic, I'm going to go off today's topic, and I'm going to come back today's topic, okay? When I go off today's topic, it's why today's topic is difficult to understand, and today's topic is, in the balance of grace and truth, looking at God's word, why Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Give your Bibles, turn with me to John Chapter 14, verses 1 through 2 is where we're going to start. And the very first truth, I'm going to give you a couple truths today mixed with grace. The very first truth is heaven and hell are real. I've told you many times, this is a, a topic I don't like to talk a lot. I, don't, I really should like to talk about it more, but I don't. Because I think a lot of times, many of you, and I know I have in past, gone to churches where all they do is browbeat you about hell. And they don't really articulate the beauty of what it means to be in a relationship with God. But I need you to hear this. Heaven and hell are real places. And one day, you will end up either in heaven or hell. John 14, 1 through 2. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is speaking here. In my Father's house are many rooms. That's describing heaven. If it were not so, would I have told you where I'm going to prepare a place for you? He's going to prepare a place for you. Now, I don't know if there's literal rooms for you in heaven. I know that he's preparing a place, and what he's saying is it's a dwelling place. It's a place for us to reside for now into eternity. In Matthew 25, we're not going to look at there right now, but it describes hell and the fact that if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you will spend forever separated from him. Okay? As we begin to understand what that looks like, we know that what it really means to follow Christ means that we have a relationship with Him, and if we have a relationship with Him, we get to dwell with God from now into eternity. This is exciting stuff. Which leads us to truth number two. Jesus will return. In other words, this life will not last forever. Spoiler alert, if you're in college and you think you're invincible, you are not. Depression alert, if you're seven years old, you will one day die. Well, Dad, that was the most depressing sermon. Why would he say that? Because you need to know it. But I don't want you to live your life like, oh, I'm on my last 93 years. Okay? <laughs> but Jesus will return. The truth, John 14, 3 through 4. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that I, where I'm going, you may be also. You know the where I am going. This is so comforting when you do a funeral of a believer. It's so comforting to know that you can rest with God into eternity. So why can't we believe all manners of religion 
lead to this place where God is in eternity? That is a complex question that I'm not going to begin to cover all of the dynamics of that. Once again, there are books and resources. You can go to yourcalvary.info and hit the card up this week for further information about that. But let me just give you one quick look at that. Truth number three, Jesus is the only way for us to have salvation based on John 14, 5 through 7. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So why can't all of these universal faiths lead to the same thing? Because the universalism says that all faiths lead to the same God. Christianity says there's only one way. So if universalism is true, then Christianity is false. And if Christianity is false, then universalism is false. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. Universalism says that all religions are true. But Christianity, in order to be true, says universalism is false. And if Christianity is therefore false, then universalism is false. Catch me later if you lost on that. Jesus, we believe, was with God in the beginning. And God created a way for us to know him and have a relationship with him. And we walked away through our sin. But the Bible tells us in John 3, 16 that God loved us enough that he made a way. And our joy is to have a relationship with Christ. Our goal is to know him and to know him intimately and to share him with the world. This is difficult, but true. So how do I know the way. Thomas was even like, I'm, I'm confused. I don't really know what you're talking about. And I think we pick that up in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, when we come to truth number 4, we are saved by grace. For you were saved by grace, and this is not from yourselves, it's God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. You are saved by grace means it is a gift. It's something you don't have to earn. I don't know about you, but I am thrilled with that, because when I look at God's truth, and then I look at the way I live, and when I look at God's standard. And then I realize how far short I fall of it. You know the place where you came in and you were arguing with your roommates because they forgot to do the dishes this morning? Maybe your roommate is a roommate or maybe it's your husband. I don't know. A lot of elbows. Or maybe last night you went to bed so mad at your kids and you were woken up this morning and you're feeling so bad as a mom or a dad because you did. And you sit there and go, how... This is where grace kicks in. Because remember, perfectionism is not the goal. Holiness is. And in order to be holy, we must be a follower of Jesus. We're chasing after God's will and God's manner and God's way for our life. So this is what we're called to. If you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross, was buried and raised again, then in the Bible says in Romans, then you can be saved. By giving your life to him. If you've never done that, please talk to us at the station, at the this, uh, welcome station on the way out. Or go to yourcalvary.info later. We want to share with you what it means to truly be a follower of Christ. So if this is true, though, 
if salvation is given through grace, it is a gift, not earned. And we balance that with a call to holiness, and we look at the truth through God's word. Why is it so difficult for us to live it out? Let me give you, this is the point where I'm going to separate for a second, and give you a cultural explanation as to part of the reason that our society right now is feeling chaotic. Does anybody else feel like our society is feeling chaotic? This is the part where I also want to tell you I love you all. Okay? I remember 20 years ago when I was first starting in college ministry. I was a college minister before I was a pastor. I went to a conference and there was a man by the name of Leonard Sweet who was preaching. Now Leonard Sweet studies the future. He would not say I'm a prophet. He is a person who studies the future and tries to notice patterns to tell where people are going. He's one of those people that says millennials think this, you know, all that stuff, okay? Some of you love that, and some of you are like, that guy drives me nuts, okay? But I remember Leonard Sweet saying this, throughout history, society has traditionally gone back and forth in the way its culture is derived from a bell curve to a well curve, from a bell curve to a well curve, from a bell curve to a well curve. And that our culture in the United States of America is starting to shift and shift dramatically from a bell curve to a well curve, and the church needs to be prepared to handle that. Some of you are like, Daniel, what does that mean? Think back to science with class. I said science class because that was the class I struggled with the most. And when you had a science class and the highest grade in the class was an 87, and you got a 78, on your report card, you actually didn't get a 78. You ended up with a 91. Now, how is that possible? Because the teacher curved it so that so many people would be in the middle of the bell. So the bell curve says that most people in our society are in this middle section, and the extremes, there are very few. And throughout history, you see this line go up and down, up and down. And basically what happens is when society gets too much in the middle, it starts forcing its way out. And as it starts forcing itself out, it pulls the line, and ultimately the line then dips, and then you have extremes. And we're getting close to the end of the extremes, I believe. I don't know. But as it starts getting to extremes, then it kind of retracts like a rubber band and goes back towards the bell curve. So it looks like uh, a rhythm that you would find on a heart meter. Okay? Now, in our society today, we are at a well curve instead of a bell curve. A bell curve says most people are in the middle. A well curve says that by very nature, everything about our society is saying, pick a side. Did anybody notice that? Pick a side. And this is super important. And so it, it begins to unpack itself like this. There's, uh, you've heard me talk about the Stoics and the Epicureans. There's the battle going on in our country from, the, from this. The Stoics are the people who think, I think, therefore I am. If it's not based on logic, it's not real. And some of you are like, that's right. Welcome to truth. You're a truth person. Epicureans are the people who sit there and you think, I feel, therefore I am. If it feels right, it must be right. If I feel like this is truth, it is true. And our society is, once again, shifting more into an Epicurean from a Stoic mindset. But in all of this, the church and you are asked to pick a side. Are you a, I think, therefore I am? Or are you a, I feel, therefore I am? Anybody feel that tension? 
What if neither one of them's right? Let's go to another one. Okay, we're going to get progressively worse in this illustration, so I need you to fasten your seatbelts now. This one isn't even the worst one. Masks and anti-masks. There are people who sit there and think, if you don't wear a mask when you go out, you literally are the worst person in the world because you are trying to kill me. And if you don't understand the devastating effects by you not wearing a mask, you need to repent because God is not on you. And then there's other people who are the anti-mask people, I haven't forgot about you, who really believe at the core of it all that this is an attempt to take away our freedoms and our religious freedoms. And if we have to wear a mask everywhere we go, it won't be long before the church is told you have to not gather. Now, very likely, you have already picked a side in that argument. And very likely, you are sitting there going, I believe this, I don't believe that. What if neither one is completely right? Okay, that was the easier one. I told you a few weeks ago, I don't like talking politics, so I'm hoping this is the last time I talk politics, but this is just blowing up my Facebook. And so my personal standpoint is, I'm not for politics, I'm for God. But let me share how this matriculates out through social media, which ultimately says what you feel like saying at three o'clock in the morning but you don't have the courage to say to someone else's face right here's what our social media face okay i love you all it says the people who follow christ but lean to the left feel like the right is a bunch of racists and elitists that only care about themselves ignoring poverty the environment and anyone that gets in their way love you and the right who follow jesus feel about the left that is a bunch of baby-killing socialist, anti-religious zealots that exist to take away all our freedoms. You see it on Facebook. That's not my beliefs. Those are the words of people who claim to follow Christ on Facebook. What if this isn't about picking sides? And what if the church actually, instead of reacting to, are you a Republican or a Democrat, are you a mask or anti-mask? Are you a science person or a feel person? What if we found the middle and said the church should lead the way to pointing people to salvation? Say, Daniel, what is salvation? This is where I think we get off the track. I'm going to go back now to salvation. Salvation, I think, far too often has been presented as a get-out-of-jail-free card. One day, when I die, I'm going to need this. Whoop. One day, I'm going to have a funeral, and I want people to say, I know where Bobby is. I know where Susie is. They're in heaven. But what if salvation wasn't just about heaven and hell? What are we being saved from? We are being saved from ourselves. From, from us, as Matt Chandler's quote, says this we have a front row seat to see what humanity wants sorry let me say that again we have a front row seat to see what happens what humanity wants a kingdom without a king we have front row seats to see what happens when humanity wants a kingdom without a king 
God, I want you to be my king and you are good, but I'm really using you for what I can get. We're the five-year-old who thinks we can trick mom into getting us a soda when we go to Chick-fil-A instead of, or the french fries instead of the fruit cup, you know? Eat the fruit cup, kid. It's better for you. Give the fries to me. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> That's how we do it. We do a little bait and switch and don't even realize we're doing it because we all ultimately want to be kings or queens in charge and in control. We want our, our dominion to reign, and we want the world to see things like we see it and like we desire. But what if what we desire is ultimately selfish, and as I become selfish and inward and focused on me and getting what I want and getting you and trying to tell you how you're wrong, instead of living out the gospel, what if that ultimately takes us down and society down with it? Maybe we need to come back around to realize that the way I'm living is not getting me where I need to be. Pick a justice issue. You want to tackle that justice issue? You have to live for the king. Exclamation point. You have to lay down your desires, your heart, your mind. And follow him. How does that work? You see, salvation is not primarily or exclusively about inheriting the kingdom. Rather, salvation is about becoming a child of the king. We walked away. We did. In verse 2, it says, In my father's house there are many rooms. If we're not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? There are verses, countless verses throughout the Bible that talk about, uh, no, it's not countless, you can actually count them, that was hyperbole. The amount of times that you are adopted, you are chosen, you are his, and what God ultimately invites you to be is drawn into bearing and carrying his name. Not so that you can run around the kingdom telling everybody that you're a son of the father or a daughter of the king, but that you can go around serving the king in his kingdom. You want to find peace? You want to find joy? You want to find hope? You tired of the society going chaotic? You tired of your life feeling chaotic? Embrace salvation for what it is. You see, the beauty of salvation is that it is saving us from the chaos of sin and bringing us into the dominion of living and walking in line and in step with the King of Kings and carrying out His will in His kingdom. This is where we make a difference. This is where the church lives proactively. And as we understand this, because we're not going to always do it well, we walk in grace, but we seek his truth. So through grace, we are adopted into the family of God. Once again, if you've not done that, I invite you to do it. This is where it changes everything. But here's our daily training. I'm wondering today if you can emphatically decide to make Jesus your truth. As we can, will occasionally fall short, I'm not going to beat myself up over this. Through grace, I'm going to renew this commitment every day. So yeah, maybe yesterday you didn't live it the best. Through grace, you're going to renew the commitment. So that one of the first things you do, we expect you to check into the word before you check into the world. 
Check into the word before you check into the world. When you wake up in the morning, renew your commitment. Today, I'm going to chase after the king of kings. And I'm going to be his son or daughter. And I'm going to allow his truth to change me. The reason we started this series with this story is if we don't believe that his truth is what's going to shape us, then the rest of the series is just going to be controversial. And even though the rest of the series may be a little controversial, I want you to understand something. As we walk together with Christ, we will be stronger because we are representing what it means to be in faith and in community and his presence will be here. So just for a moment, decide right now. Am I willing to to say I don't know everything that I think I do? Am I willing to allow some of my deepest beliefs to be challenged by God's word? Am I willing to go and be a learner from now into eternity? And to put first and foremost that God will shape my life. Am I going to allow people, men and women, to speak into my lives? I'm going to weigh out whether or not it's authentic from God or not. But am I going to allow them to speak into my lives? Am I going to allow God to shape me to become the son or the daughter or the prince or princess I'm called to be? Who doesn't want to be a princess? I don't. I want to be a prince. But I'm a child of the king. Will you do that? God, move in our lives. Help us to know what it really looks like to chase after you. We thank you, God, for how you love us. Would you move in our hearts? Would you move in our minds? Would you, God, be first and foremost in our life? God, may we check in with you before we look at what the world says. May we allow our our thoughts to be challenged by your truth. And God, when we fall short, help us not to, to give up or feel defeated, but to feel your loving embrace as we confess and come back and renew our commitment to chase after your truth. God, may we as a church be known as a place that loves everyone but is willing to say the hard things balancing those two tensions of grace and truth ultimately exalting you the king of kings the lord of lords emmanuel the great i am in your holy name we pray amen let's stand together let's respond to him
just our past, where we've come from, our present, where we are at the moment, but our future, secure in Him. Oh, come on, let's trust Him this morning. Let's trust Him more as we worship Him, as we continue on. He's not finished with His work here, so we trust You. Everything we have this morning. Good God, a good purpose. the promise, God of the future, you see beginning and end. God of the rescue, God of the breakthrough, how great is your faithfulness. You're not done yet.
there's still a work, a promise, and a work to be done. So we're going to be faithful to that. So thank you so much for worshiping with us. I'm going to pray here in just a moment uh, to send us out. Before I do that, we have a couple of things that are going on. One, for uh, our college students are back in town, if you haven't noticed. We're thankful for that. And so we're going to have Merge tonight at 8.30. It's out in Building 2, where we ended this semester last year. And so come join us. Uh, we'd love to have you here. Come at 8.30 here, and we'll get you in the right direction. Uh, that's tonight. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have Women's Bible Study starting back up on Wednesday morning. So be sure to register for that, ladies. If you would like to join one of their studies, men's groups have already started, but you can certainly jump in on one of the studies uh, if you'd like to. They're on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. So be sure to connect with us. We would love uh, for you to get plugged into one of those ministries. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you're not done. You're not finished. You're still alive and well and moving. So we thank you for that truth, the salvation that is available even now. So send us out at this moment. God, help us to reflect and to respond to a good God. And send that out to a world who needs it. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you.